Ugh, we should reschedule. We, we, have, we have other good qualities, right? Like, we're good yes, people. You are good it's people. Fine. Yeah. It's fine. We're amazing. Look at how amazing we are. Slow your roll. Yeah, yeah. Danny, watch out, world. Welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAPS Lou podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and she's practicing practical principles that promote positive progression past previous prodigious performances. It's Danielle Brostrom. We should pause now to let that prelude percolate as a prompt for this week's TCAPS Loop moment of Zen. People who count their chickens before they're hatched act very wisely because chickens run about so absurdly that it's impossible to count them accurately. Oscar Wilde. So that was a train wreck of an opening. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're off the rails. We never even got on the rails. We're still in the station and the, 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 the train just tipped over. It's fine. Potentially useful. <laughs> Potentially we're useful. Fine. So we have done so many AI podcasts. And I think we're finally really starting to get into our groove. Five stars. <laughs> How many stars? Five. <laughs> on the topic. This is great. I do think I do think it has led though to this podcast, which is instead of talking about you know high level concepts around AI and all the stuff that we're scared potentially scared of or all the things we need to look out for, let's actually dip into the practical side of what AI can do for our educators. So I threw out a prompt and then you threw back, I think a really good way to kind of break it down, turning AI into what I would call a value added teaching assistant. I like that. Right? Mm -hmm. So the three uh, categories that you broke this down into are uh, focusing on SEL, focusing on efficiency and focusing on equity. Let's start with the focusing on SEL, because that's really what I think started the prompt. It was in regards to an article that I had sent you, Four Ways to Use AI in Implementing Restorative Practices uh, by Rachel Jorgensen. Give me a quick definition of what we're talking about when we say restorative practice. It's something that we're trying really hard to do in our classrooms here in TCAPS, and I think it's become more in vogue, I guess, after COVID. And kids do have a lot of these social, social emotional needs that are not being met. And we know this. So restorative practices are a way that we can help build those relationships with students and like help build respect in our classrooms, help encourage responsibility. And then because we're human, everybody makes mistakes. There's a big part of restorative practices that includes repair. So how do you repair those relationships when something goes wrong and helping our classroom get back to a place where everybody feels welcome and accepted and we work through issues together as a class. So restorative practices are really what we're kind of basing the foundation of everything we do in our classrooms in right now. I like that idea of repairing relationships. Because mm -hmm. we're human. Everybody makes mistakes. So how do you work through that? How do you, how do you fix that when you made a mistake? Your classroom is a community. And that community is going to be together throughout the year. So it's not like you can just exclude, nor should you, that should even be an option, you know, individuals from that community. You're there 
So the, really, the only option is to do the restorative work, the repairing of the relationships when, because we're human, conflicts arise. It's what we would want. You know, if there's a conflict in the workplace, you want to be able to feel like you can repair that relationship. And I think that um, restorative practices and restorative circles are, are great for the workplace too. So with that, this article had some really practical tips for using artificial intelligence to help with the restorative practices. So take it away. The first option that they had was you can use an AI device to create restorative reflections. So for example, you've got a kid that has violated a rule. You could use AI to generate five reflection questions to help the student think about their choices and improve their behavior and rectify the situation at a third grade level or at a sixth grade level. Obviously, you know, using confidentiality when you plug in a prompt like that into a chat GPT or whatever AI you're using. But just having those questions there to help that child work through. And even if it's the child sitting down, if they're they're old enough to be working through those questions on the AI themselves, or if it's you sitting down as a teacher to help them process, it's it's just a non-threatening way. It emphasizes that repairing harm and moving forward. I think of the old way we used to do, you know, when a kid would make a mistake, you would send them to fill out a think sheet you know, which they would write, you know, what you did wrong and what you're going to do differently. Just how much more evolved is it to actually sit down with the child and use these prompts, use these questions to get them thinking about what happened and how they can fix the problem. It also takes some of the emotionality out of it. As the educator, you might be involved in the conflict. So you might be emotionally invested in this to have something else look at the situation critically. Not bad. I think as long as you're using confidentiality, I think that's an, a very powerful way to use a chat GPT. Yeah, test it out. Works great. How does this happen in real time? How would this happen in a classroom? If I was going to use artificial intelligence in a situation like this where there is a conflict, have you already assumed some of these conflicts and you have these prompts pre-prepared? Are you setting this up for the following day? Are you doing it in the moment with the student? Walk me through how you would use this as an educator. I think any of those options, I mean, you could use any of them. I think having having a couple prepared is a great idea because you do have certain situations that are always going to come up, you know? Some, somebody pushed somebody else in line. Somebody else, somebody cutted. That's a big one. And when you're dealing with little kids, they cutted me. Yes, they didn't actually cut you. They moved in front of you in line. So mm. just having things like that written out, I think are a great idea. But typically you would give the kids some time to come down because if you're trying to work through a situation with them when they're hot, you're not going to get anywhere because they're not in the brain space. They're just not there. So giving them time to calm down in a space You're going to talk about this. You know, you go over, type it into your computer, get your prompts, come sit down and then talk about it. I don't think that it has to be a huge deal. You you give them the space to calm down. When they're ready to process, you've got those prompts ready. You answered the question. Okay, continue. Didn't mean Um, to get you off track. No, the second one. Actually, uh, I did. You did mean to get me off track. Uh, The second idea was to use it to compose customized social stories. Uh, Social stories are quite fantastic. They're good for all kids. When a child has trouble managing their impulses or choosing the most appropriate behavior for a situation, a social story can help the kids think about and practice a skill before the moment comes. So like, my daughter really thrives off having routines. Most kids do. And 
anytime I can give her a social story so she knows what to expect, it can help her feel safe and secure. It can help build her independence, give her a sense of control. She's kind of already visualized the situation in a way that was successful. I mean, you can have social stories for simple things like, you know, getting ready for bed or getting ready for school in the morning, but you could also use them to help with this repair. If you've got a child who did something like, for example, was stealing lunch money, you could have ChatGPT. I hate that we always say ChatGPT. Whatever AI you're using, you could have chat GPT, write a narrative about a fifth grade student who stole another student's lunch money and then returned it and apologized, write this at a third grade reading level about 500 words in length. Boom, there's your prompt, you put it in and it gives you a story that you can then use with this child so they can see how this mistake was made, how it was repaired, how everything got back to normal and then move forward. So they can kind of visualize that whole entire thing playing out. Social stories are great for kids with ADHD, anxiety. They're good for all of us. I can't help but think about how much time that would save having something create those social stories specific to the incident almost instantaneously. What's next? Uh, You can use it to generate discussion questions for those restorative circles. So when you are having your class meeting because you've got an issue you want to talk about, you can have chat GPT, here's your prompt. Generate 10 open-ended questions I can use to facilitate a discussion about excessive cell phone use with my students. So here's your prompts, and then you can add that class discussion that's going to encourage empathy, accountability, connection, give kids a place to share their feelings and their thoughts. Great for problem solving. Again, this is a, a situation where we're asking chat GPT to be our teaching assistant. This is specific administrative teaching tasks. Keep it going. Well, it's that idea, too, that, like, you're not going to be replaced by ChatGPT as a teacher. Whatever job you're in, you're not going to be replaced by AI, but you're going to be replaced by someone who knows how to use AI. So instead of trying to do all of this on my own, I'm letting AI do the hard part, and then I'm doing the part that needs that human touch. We're going to get back to that. Okay. Um, The fourth one, building creative social and emotional learning lesson plans. You know, you're using it to generate a multi-step lesson plan that teaches students how to use coping skills or walk in the hallways or clean up after themselves in the lunchroom at a fourth grade level. That's a no-brainer having it write some quick social-emotional learning lesson plans, especially if you are in a district where you don't have a curriculum funded. Again, do that 80-20, help you get started. It just blows me away that this is real practical, again, the name of the podcast, tools that are just like right there that you're going to use every day. Next category, focus on efficiency. So typical things that um, a teacher has to do, can definitely be done faster using AI. The first thing I want to talk about is DOK questions. So when you are working on a topic in the classroom, you try to offer students a um, an assortment of questions that kind of meet each of the four levels of depth of knowledge. So that's DOK. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a good reminder because I think about you know when I ask questions in the classroom. Do I always ask questions that are at that first level, that recall, that just calculate, define, list? What was the, you know, like, I I typed into my AI of choice, DOK questions for the Titanic. 
And DOK level one, those simple recall questions, those are things like, what year did the Titanic sail? Um, What was the name of the ship that was in, I think it was like a 20-mile radius, like those really, really simple recall questions. But then you get all the way up to the fourth level of the depths of knowledge, and it's asking questions like, how did what happened on the Titanic influence safety regulations for ships following that? So you're really getting into that higher level of knowledge. And if you're not careful, sometimes you can always stay with really superficial questions on topics. So Pumping in some DOK questions into your AI of choice is, is a great way to utilize this technology. Later on in the podcast, we're going to talk about scaffolding. And I was uh, looking at that and got into Bloom's taxonomy. And then I related it to how we're using artificial intelligence with these tools. And what I kind of realized was that if we look at Bloom's taxonomy from the bottom, remember, understand, apply, analyze, evaluate, create. What artificial intelligence is doing for the educator is basically replacing one to three to five in our process of creating content for our students. We still have the evaluate and create aspect of it, but we don't have to spend time and energy and mental processes. It's not that the students don't have to go through that taxonomy. It's what processes can the educator move past to get to the real meat of what they would like to be doing, evaluating the content to make sure that it's appropriate in the creation of the final piece for the students that they have. That's what this is. Yes. Wow. That's like 80% of the job. We've talked about it for 80% of the job is done. It is. And it's done quickly. And Mm -hmm. I can spend my time on those human connections with kids. Another thing that your AI tool can do is you can use it to write vocabulary words and definitions. Um, I mean, we're always, always trying to give kids the vocabulary, the tricky vocabulary and whatever topic we're talking about. And here are the definitions. That takes time. And a lot of times I see teachers going out to teachers pay teachers and paying that service, right? Paying a teacher on that service and then taking it and being like, oh, but this doesn't completely fit. I kind of only want these three. It's just a lot of work. Whereas, again, plug it into your AI of choice, vocabulary words for penguin study at a second grade level. Boom. And then here are your vocabulary words. Here are your definitions. Excellent for pre-teaching for equity. You know, you think about the kids who just, again, need to feel confident going in. Here are the vocabulary words we're going to be studying in our upcoming novel, just so you have kind of a leg up. This makes so much sense as far as giving them You're setting them up context. for success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving into the last section that I wanted to talk about, a focus on equity. I love how these AI tools can help with equity in the classroom. One of my favorite AI tools is magicschool.ai. And I'm going to mention it in the tech tool of the week, but I'm going to say it again here. Uh, They have a choice board generator. So based on the principles of universal design of learning, which is UDL, giving students choice. We know this is good, but man, does that take time. So being able to plug it into magic school, 
give the topic, give the grade level, give the kinds of things I want to highlight and have it create a choice board for a student so that they can choose how to share what they know, the equity that is within a lesson like that or within using the tool in that way. It's it's important. The thing that you're you're pointing out in all these is these are all practices that we would love to incorporate in our classrooms. But, but they take have, time. But we have time for one of them. Mm-hmm. With this tool, oh, we can do them all. If you were if you were in the classroom, how many of these do you think you could administer with artificial intelligence? How much could you leverage and how much time do you think you'd be saving? Well, right away, you can only leverage a couple because you're going to try it out and then you're going to realize how much time it's saving you and then you're going to try more and more and more and more. So the best advice I would give a teacher is to get in and start playing with these things, start playing with some practice prompts so you can see what it can do. And then you're going to see ways to use it. I foresee as the next couple of years, everything that you do, you're going to be using it multiple times a day, multiple times an hour. I think right now we're just getting into it, but it's here you should be when you're looking it. at though, when you're looking at your preps, I, I think about all the extra time that a teacher spends. When you're looking at what your calendar would be, your weekly calendar, your monthly calendar, if you have access to these tools, how much time do you think you would save on the administrivia of what you would like to do? For, forget the fact that you'd be able to do more. Let's not even worry about that. Just by looking at, say, here are the things that I would typically have been doing as a teacher. Okay, I see what you're asking. Okay. that That's a tough question to answer, Larry, because I think, I think if you're looking just straight up time, maybe five hours a week, maybe 10 hours a week. But also... It's the time shift that I think is important because I would Getting wouldn't... to that. Getting to that. Okay. If, 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 it's not like you're not spending the time. A teacher is going to spend that time. They are, but, but they're going to be taking, able to spend it on things that are more valuable. Yes, but I guess maybe the point was if you're able to take 10 hours away from creating a newsletter to communicate with your parents because that's actually just done or creation of lesson plans or the going through some of our restorative reflections or uh, the social story creating a social story which I'm sorry that would take actually you'd be going through a library you would be and it just does it I mean the amount of research that you'd be having to do to create valuable DOK questions you might be doing two of these yeah because it's all you would have time to do now you can actually explore some of these other practices to find what would work and actually target specifically instances and situations in your classroom. The next thing that was on my list to talk about with equity was the assignment scaffolder and writing more clear directions. I think about how many kids in a typical classroom have an IEP or a 504 that requires them to have really, really clear step-by-step big projects broken down into smaller things. That, that's a typical accommodation that you see across your classroom. How easy is it to plug in the project that you're working on into your AI of choice and have it write some really, really clear scaffolded steps out for the student? That right there alone would have taken probably an hour per assignment to really break that down in a way that makes sense for those kids. That can be done in seconds. That right there, that that's an hour saved at something that we do all the time. 
And I can't stress enough how taxing it is on a teacher to go through that creative process. And after a while, if you're at that high level of thinking for a long period of time, the quality is going to get diminished. You're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. If a teacher's going into the classroom fresh or the content is relatively equitable throughout so that you can get to those one or two students and you can actually meet them where they're at because you have time to. And maybe you can still go home (laughs) right after contract time and go on the treadmill. You know, all those things that we would normally say I don't have time for because I have to break down these assignments and I have to write that social story and I have to do that choice board and I have to get those vocabulary words ready. Like, oh my goodness. Halfway through it and you hate yourself now because you know you haven't actually, you know. (laughs) Because now it's getting dark outside and it's snowy and you might as well just sleep at school. Your your children are asking for food, you know. (laughs) You're like, stop, I'm writing the okay questions. (laughs) Feed yourselves. (laughs) This is hopefully going to help bring some normalcy into a career that is anything but normal. Um, And then the last one I had was just accommodation suggestions. I think of how many times I had a child in my classroom with something that I hadn't seen before, and I didn't quite know how to help them. So being able to, again, with making sure that you are being uh, confidential, but putting some of these things into your AI of choice and getting some accommodation suggestions so you can be prepared and try some things and see what works with the kids before you get to that actual IEP meeting. It's a great place to start. Any other resources? No other resources. Um, oh, wait. Well, what, are lots- <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Wait a second. I have lots of resources. That wasn't the question. Who are you? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to stop for a second. This is exactly what we're talking about, though. We've We've talked relatively deeply for 35 plus minutes you've got stuff on your on the list but you're like i'm i'm kind of done done. i'm done (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're talking about so what we're going to do from now on is we're going to have ai do the first 15 minutes of the pod (laughs) and then we'll jump in fresh 80 20 have it do the first 80 percent we do the last 20 our listeners would probably like that they would they would can we talk about tech tool of the week I want to share, again, magicschool.ai. I think it's one of the more valuable AIs out there for teachers. It will write lesson plans, differentiate, write assessments, and it gives you a lot of the prompts to get started. And it will ask you questions like a teacher colleague would as you're working through some of these. So it's quite amazing. Shout out to uh, Ben Boyce from Cortade for sharing that one with me, magicschool.ai. And then OpenAI had a really, really great blog recently called Teaching with AI that I had never thought about using ChatGPT in this way. So the way that they're suggesting on the site is to, instead of having the short prompt, like I'm kind of used to writing, having the prompt be a lot longer and essentially coding, I'm using air quotes here in a podcast, but coding the AI to be a personalized tutor for a student or to help talk you through how to write a lesson plan or something that you're struggling with. So putting in your prompt things like ask the teacher if they want to change anything, ask the teacher if they would like any advice about how to make sure the learning goal is achieved, waiting for a response. 
go to the site, um, openai.com slash blog slash teaching dash with dash AI and check out some of the prompts that they're suggesting and put one into your AI of choice and see what happens. It's really, really cool to see how it could kind of take on that persona and talk you through a tough topic. The next wave of professional development, I have a feeling is going to be learning how to prompt appropriately and efficiently your AI tool of choice. I hadn't gotten to this point yet, Larry. I mean, the last suggestion on here is to... Because it's been like six months. <laughs> create an AI tutor. And part of this prompt, this is the prompt you're giving it, it says, ask students to explain their thinking. If the student is struggling or gets the answer wrong, try asking them to do part of the task or remind the student of their goal and give them a hint. If students improve, praise them and show excitement. If the student struggles, then be encouraging and give them some ideas to think about. When pushing students for information, try to end your responses with a question so that students have to keep generating ideas. Again, you're coding, air quotes, the AI, how to be that personal tutor for the student or that personal assistant for the teacher. It's it's different. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. Anything else for the good of the order? Nothing else. All right. Where can they find you, Danielle? At Brostrom DA on LinkedIn and formerly known as Twitter. All right. TCAP Sloop can be found on LinkedIn, Facebook, the artist formerly known as Twitter as well, and Instagram. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Not my job to edit this. <laughs> oh,